Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We're back for another week. Um... I don't believe in peak dub, but uh, we might have had a peak dub kind of round this week. So we absolutely cannot wait to go through all of the ridiculousness, all of the goals, all of the good stuff, because uh, it's a league that simply can't peak. It's an Australian, like Australian football. It simply can't peak. So it means we have plenty to talk about here on this podcast. But before we do get stuck in, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today, you've got me, Marissa Lodanik, Angela Christian Wilkes, and Anna Harrington back from Qatar, ready to talk about things and stuff in the dub. So... Harrow, you can kick us off with a you love to see it on your return to the pod. My return, I'm back. I've been invited back on after being overlooked for the squad pod, uh, infamously. Um, it's true. I was wondering when that was coming. Listeners, Early, we, like any... we have been told in the group chat and face-to-face about our, our era there. So, But yes, Harrow, continue, continue. We all feel very bad. Back from Qatar, but not in your heart. Um, anyway, I am back for this one. Uh, but speaking of uh, snubs, recalls, all these sorts of things, um, my you love to see it is after being recalled to the Matildas, both Chloe Garza and Michelle Heyman went out there and scored braces. Um, Heyman in that, that draw with Perth Glory and Legazzo, we've scored the winner. So um, it's, yeah, I felt like both players really deserved the recalls. Um, I would have given you my thoughts in that pod, but I didn't. Um, both players really did deserve their recalls. No, I'm just making these just squirm at this point. Um, both those players really did deserve their recalls. They've been in fantastic form in the A-League women, scoring goals, making it look easy. Um, they've both overcome adversity. And I, I always like when players put a bit of an exclamation mark on their selection by doing stuff like this. So, yeah, Chloe Legazzo and Michelle Heyman certainly just picking up where they left off and giving everyone a reminder of their qualities after being recalled. You love to see it. We love to see those two scoring. We do not love to see. Um, like, you're right, you should mention it, but, like, damn, you've also directed it at the two most anxious members of the pod, but it doesn't matter. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Oh, but Let's do a little bonus one for Sam. <laughs> a little voice um, note just for her. Yeah, literally. Um, just quickly on those two players, I'm getting in early with a question that we got on Twitter from Kieran, um, who basically said, two goals each to Heyman and Legazzo. Who do you start against Uzbekistan if you're choosing one of those two? So just really quickly while we're on the topic of them because of your, your love to see it, who would you start out of those two against Uzbekistan? 
Uh, off the top of my head, I think um, it would be more likely to be Heyman just because there's the obvious gap there with Sam Kerr dropping out. I still think the more likely outcome is neither of them start, to be honest. Like we see Caitlin Ford, Mary Fowler, greatest hits sort of, you know, attack from the World Cup. Um, I think Heyman will be more likely um, to get more game time. I hope both of them do across this. Um, the other thing as well is I'm intrigued to see where Tony Gustafson will play Chloe Legazzo because she's been playing a more attacking role. Um, Midfield-wise, it seems pretty sorted in terms of Gori and Cooney-Cross. Um, so whether she gets used on the wing, similar to what Tamiki Yellop's done at times, maybe she'll pop in there at some point. But unless there's any pressing fitness concerns, I could see Heyman more likely to. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a preferential thing, though. It, it just seems to make a bit more sense, right? Angela, who would you? I would start. Uh, <laughs> I would actually start Heyman just because I feel like she. It would be good to have uh, Chloe Lagazzo's energy. I think coming on in a second half if you need to get the job done. Whereas, like, I feel like Michelle does ha- fade a little bit after maybe like sixty minutes or whatever. Um, and I don't have enough data to assess whether how she would go coming off the bench. I don't know if that's like a like-for-like comparison when we go dub to Tilly's and that's kind of where all the intrigue is around this. But, yeah, that I would start Heyman. Um, But, you know, both great options. What a blessed position to be in, especially after this weekend and then being like, you know what, yeah, I do deserve this. So. A hundred percent. We absolutely love to see them scoring goals. Um, It sparked a bit of conversation in our mentions as well. Someone was like, well, would you rather have two open play goals, like basing it on their um, output from the weekend or like two dead ball kind of situations? And it's like, why can't we have both? Why can't we have access to both, actually? Um, abundance mindset, my friends. Anyway, Angela, what did you love to see from this weekend? Uh, as Haro noted pre-pod, kind of the inverse of um, Heyman and Legazo scoring, we saw Emily Gionic, who's... I've not yet been called back into Attili's um, camp or squad, but coming back from injury, she scored an absolute banger. Uh, just, yeah, got got around her defender, big shot, bang, big goal. But um, the, the great part about it for me is that she had a shot like a couple of minutes before and, and it got saved and it, it really feels like she was just like, okay, well, didn't get the job done that time. Was obviously frustrated, so the the goal that followed, and this was in sorry, this was in um, victories one all draw with the Central Coast Mariners, um, Mariners. Sorry, uh, yeah, Gilnick firing more more potential squad strikers for the Tillies, doing well in the dub. You love to see it. Absolutely, we do. Um, like I said right off the top. It was a bit of a chaotic round. So here's what happened during it. We had the Wanderers beating Newcastle 2-1 in that Bathurst game, which finally uh, got up after it was postponed from earlier in the season. We had the Mariners and Victory playing out a uh, 1-1 draw, as Angela just said. We had City and Sydney eventually playing out a scoreless draw. Perth and Canberra, there was a 2-2 draw, very draw-heavy kind of weekend. That was Perth and Canberra, 2-2 draw. And then Western United, Chloe Legazzo getting the winner in a 3-2 victory over Brisbane. But we need to talk about the um the chaos of this weekend first and foremost. So Lewis asked, 
does the dub ask for chaos or does the chaos ask for the dub? At this point, I'm thinking it's the latter, to be honest with you. Like, how do you guys feel about it? Are you, like, even surprised anymore when things happen that are just, like, so peak dub, so peak chaos? I'm a little bit by this one. Um, It's not hard to get right. Um, I think the fact that all these things across the men's and women's competition, you know, wrong kit being brought, like, chaotic misses, um, had the uh, in the men's the goal line technology dramas two weeks in a row. and um, But this one, um, it's just when you look at Twitter and you just see that the game's getting delayed half an hour because Sydney FC have driven to the wrong venue. And for me, it felt like such a like a um, a moment for Melburnians that, have, that know the dub because you just go, well, where could they have gone? Like, if they've not gone to Casey Fields, there's a few options, right? Um, Amy Park being one, the misses, um, like Faulkner, C.B. Smith Reserve, um, Fortress Epping. And the other one is Bandura. <laughs> um, and there's two reasons they could have gone to Bandura. One is um, Melbourne Victory play at the home of the Matildas in Bandura. Um, I think that would be most people's first guess they've gone to Victory's ground instead of Cities. But no, I think it's what's actually happened is someone has the old City Football Academy location in their GPS, i.e. the bus driver or whoever's in charge of directions, and Melbourne City used to be based at Bundura. They used to have the state-of-the-art facilities there until about 2019. Then they moved to Casey Fields. But um, if you actually look it up on um, Google, I think what they've done with the you know the facility that would have the ratings and stuff is they've just changed the address of it. So maybe if you've not had it updated. Anyway, um, I did see Melissa Barbieri, who had an excellent game, um, comment on this and said there's two former City players on the bus. They're telling the bus driver we're going the wrong way. And he just carries on. And then I just imagine them getting to um, Bandura and there's just nothing there. Just paddocks, bit of bush, few, like, plants, I guess. Um, maybe some wire fencing. Like, there's not much left there. And then to top it all off, you're having to trek all the way over to Casey Fields, which would have taken them a good hour and a half plus. Um, and then you've got to postpone the game and just just a shambles, right? Like... <sighs> It can't have been fun for anyone. Um, but, yeah, always check your location before you um, punch it into the old GPS is the lesson for uh, our friends at Sydney FC and relevant bus drivers. It was just so silly. And it was just because we were all really kind of um, giggling at the the Wellington Western United thing in the men's where they had the clash of kits. So some poor kit man has had to do a mad dash to Wellington's training facility to pick up their home kits. Why they weren't wearing their home kits for a home game in the first place. Like I know people have offered explanations about sponsors and stuff like that, but I'm just like, just wear your home kit at home. But anyway, it was just... A very chaotic round. And as you mentioned, Harrow, we had that ridiculous miss from um, Sydney FC in the men's as well. It was just everything. We had someone ask about, like, you know, this was the peak A-League round. We had one game that wasn't played. What could have possibly, like, have we missed out on more potential craziness because this game was not played? Um, I don't think, like, I feel like the stuff that happens in these leagues, you can't even 
like there's no script writer here because if you wrote it down it would be like no that's just too silly people aren't gonna believe that like why why would that happen but um there is a good opportunity for us to take a quick walk down memory lane because we had the little corner of yellow who are the phoenix's supporter group ask us what are the peak dub moments or what are your peak dub moments over the last few seasons um and it's a really wonderful time for us to remember some some of the sillier things that have happened. Um, Harrow and I both said right off the bat, um, the the icon that is Tuba Guy. Um, Harrow, do do you want like if there are people who don't know who Tuba Man is, do you want to give a quick rundown as to who Tuba Man is? Just the time the the Fox the then broadcast part of Fox Sports broadcast cut away from the action. I think it was Melbourne Victory v Brisbane Raw. I, I think Brisbane gave Victory a bit of a – is that is that the game it was? I think it was. Um, You're the one with just, the memory for that stuff, so I'm going to trust just you. Cut I think so. I think it was the game where Brisbane Raw gave Victory a bit of a thumping, to be honest. Not that you'd have seen all of it because it kept cutting to a studio. One of the guys that seemingly worked for whoever was running the broadcaster – in his little office with a tuba in the background. And it, like, just kept going and he was completely oblivious to it. Um, yeah, we also had the time where the logo, the W League logo, took over the screen. Um, these are just little broadcast um, ifs and buts. Um, I'm happy to throw open the floor to some more chaotic dub moments. That time when um, – this is quite a few years ago, but when – City. I can't remember. There was some problem with the city Perth venue, um, and this was probably Sam Kerr's last season in the dub. Um, and so it ended up being playing at City's training ground, and I was like doing like live tweeting and stuff at the time, and it was like the media box was literally like two pop up plastic, you know, barbecue <laughs> tables. Um, but it was a great like. But then the supporters had to be on the other side of the fence. They were like, it was real weird. And then the presser was like in that boot room that City were always talking about when they talked about these facilities. These were the old ones back in Bandura, um, not the home of the Matildas, but still at the Trove. The ones that friend- Sydney went to. Yeah. And friend of the pod, Tom, uh, he's always like his thing is like, he's like, what what's happened to those facilities? Like what's... Are they just like tumbleweed and you know overgrown grass now? So I feel like I saw Bub say, say there was a asbestos issue or something like that. Oh, so that would make a lot oh, of sense God. as to why it's not. Um. Anyway, we'll see what's going on there. But yeah, I always it's one of the great mysteries. Like it's gone from like being the state of the art facilities that would set Melbourne City and both of its teams apart from everyone to like it gone. <laughs> yeah, and I, I would love to do like a um punk on earth kind of expose <laughs> on like I don't know if anyone who knows who like um Kunk is but it she's like a character it's great anyway just I definitely recommend go Google um and another peak dub um when the sprinklers came on at Faulkner that I was time, just thinking the sprinklers <laughs> still uh, happening uh yes uh classic yeah I'd have to have a have a bit of a thing uh, but um, Sham Thomas going through her own sister was very funny classic Sham Karma signing for victory that was a random one that wasn't like peak dub, like one that game was... that's a very keep peak keeper signing energy yeah um uh, the I think the 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 closest we've come to VAR was uh the the city Canberra semi-final where 
Lisa Devanna cluttered Jess Fishlock and then that was sent to review because but then like that was the first time anything had been reviewed on footage that was peak dub I don't know there's lots of there's lots of classics out there it's um it's a great league I think it's funny that this round the the score lines for me were a little bit dull but like Mm. last week the score lines were cuckoo but that this time it's like everything off the pitch was like very funny and bizarre um yeah I can't I'm sure there's more but um the sprinklers is an all-time for me um thankfully we don't have that happening anymore uh yeah there's some peak, peak dub yeah. peak sad peak dub organizational wise um which is mm. a football administrator you'd appreciate Angela um, giving Canberra United the Premier's plate and all their awards Oof. for it after they just lost the semi-final. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone's oh. in tears being presented with things. I just I remember that. Trudy Burke was like, she looked like the saddest a person could ever look. That was um, Canberra's goalkeeper at the time. It's just like, sad. it's such a sad moment. Yeah, that was very peak dub. Tom was saying in the car yesterday, they used to not have a Premier's plate for the dub. No, so they didn't. at one point in his life, he had spray painted a toilet seat gold. Which um, is like, and- weird because the toilet seat is not the premiers, it's in the men's, it's the champions. Okay, details, Harrow. It's the thought that counts. <laughs> the man went oh, to Bunnings and got a toilet seat toilet. spray painted it gold. What more can you ask? <laughs> he was always uh, meant to be a teacher. <laughs> With those arts and craft skills. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of um peaked up the funny bit about that was that it was taken to an away game at Newcastle I think that if victory won then they would have become premiers but then they lost it so they didn't even need the golden toilet seat anyway so I I feel like I'm an old auntie now being like I remember to to be fair the question invited old auntie kind of stories so don't apologize for that um (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why the only thing I can remember and I don't even know if it's peaked up it's just all that my brain is offering up at the moment it was when City was meant to play their games at I think it was like Frank Houlihan so down in like Melbourne southeast and then they just couldn't use the pitch and no one said why and then it turned out because kangaroos had pooed on the <laughs> field and then birds attacked the poo, which created... Di- I don't think I'm misremembering this. There was something about poo. No, you're remembering um, it correctly. <laughs> um, and that is why Melbourne City, like, I think it was also the first season they had moved down to the southeast. So it was all like, yep, yeah, we're moving down here. Come to our new home, blah, 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 blah. This is where we want to, like, be. This is where we want to base ourselves. And then I think they played maybe the last couple of games of that season down that way because they did not have access to the pitch because of the poo. Um, so that was – it's a great league to follow. It's uh, unbelievable. Wholesome, wholesome peak dub moment was um, Riley Dobson getting proposed to. <sighs> yes. Game. Very yeah, much Yeah, so. everything has really happened in the dub. Yeah. This is the best league on uh, earth. Happy to take suggestions, like, throw them our way and we can give them a name drop next week. Yeah, please do add us at the Far Post Pod with all of your peak dub moments because there's definitely ones we have forgotten. Um, my other thing was the only ones I could remember were the ones that we had previously turned into pod logos, but a lot of those are broadcast <laughs> errors. So, like, I literally have them in a folder. So I've got the tuba, I've got the big hexagon that took over. 
um, majority of the screen. I've got just when the the screen would distort and glitch and you couldn't actually watch anything. Um, so, yeah, great league. Good time. Um, also, a uh, friend of the pod, Anne, just messaged me and said, Marissa, please Google Super Bowl time Australia. So I did. And do you know what comes up? Australia's two games against Uzbekistan. <laughs> <laughs> That's the swiftification of football, baby. That's... <laughs> Oh man, that's so good. I just did the same thing. Oh, I'm like, that's so funny. So thank you for sharing that one friend of the pod. And that has made me chuckle. Um, but yeah, let's get a little bit more on track. Um, we'll go to it. Like we had a lot of questions this week, so this is going to be a very question heavy episode, but we love it. So please keep sending your questions in on a Sunday night. Um, the best way to probably transition from peak dub moments into actual football chat is this question from friend of the pod Paletti who asked, how was this the most normal part of Saturday? And what they've referenced is the fact that, um, Heyman scored a brace as we've already discussed. She is still in the lead in the golden boot race, but Canberra United is currently in last place. The only reason Canberra are in last place is because of the APL's tiebreaker of wins instead of goal difference. So um, I don't think we actually touched on this when it was first announced, the rule change that made uh, wins worth more than goal difference in terms of ladder positioning. But now we're starting to see the real-world effects of this change. So how are we feeling about it? Do you think there's, like, do we need to be changing it back? Because it does seem weird that a team that has, I'm pretty sure, like, the top two or the top three goal scorers in the league is rooted to the bottom of the table. I, I think it's silly. <laughs> um, and I'm like, Me if too. you can change the rules as quickly as you did initially, you can change it back. We're still in the middle of the season. It's fine. I don't know. It just, yeah. Uh Harry, you, you have more context in terms of kind of the the underpinning logic for why the rule change well, happened. Logic is uh, one way of putting it. It's like <laughs> okay. I think it's ostensibly to pro- encourage more attacking football, which most people have pointed out probably isn't the case because if you get up 1-0, you're probably more likely to play for a 1-0 win rather than, you know, try and take on the game more. Like it doesn't really encourage you taking the game on more. I think if you're going to try and encourage goals, you do what some continental tournaments do and go with goals for rather than goal difference if you really wanted to change it 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 felt like a change for the sake of change and it's messed with the table like um Wanderers are ahead of victory on wins when they would be behind on goals for the Canberra one's the worst one though because they're like minus three compared to Adelaide minus 14 and it's like yeah it, it just feels like a pretty it'll be a pretty shitty way for someone to miss out on finals or Silverware potentially, like imagine if Sydney FC and City it comes down to wins rather than goal difference. So I know it's just a yeah, it's just a different way, but it just felt unnecessary, right? It's it's confusing. Um, yeah, it's it's sort of been touched upon. People have treaded over this a bit, but yeah, it really accentuated it. Seeing that if you're Canberra, you'd feel pretty flat. I think to see um, the way they've played recently and to still end up on the bottom of the table. So anyway, I don't like it. I don't know many people who do. I don't know why they changed it. Yet here we are. The A-Leagues. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think also the initial rule change, just I didn't pay too close attention to it at the time, but as with many things that kind of happen with the A-Leagues, it was kind of the lack of communication and consultation that rubbed people the wrong way as well. It's like one of those things like if you can argue your point and you do it clearly and ahead of time, then um, sometimes these things aren't as annoying as they become. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just silly and it's this is the um the unfun peak A leagues. This is the kind of peak A leagues we don't actually want or enjoy. But um speaking of that game, two two draw against Perth Glory. We had someone um, message us that their hot take was basically that Glory will finish in the bottom three. We spent a lot of the first half of this season um, bigging up Perth Glory, and I don't think that was unwarranted or unfounded because they did start this season incredibly hot and there was a lot to like about what Perth Glory were doing and how they were playing. They currently sit in sixth. Do you think that this person's hot take that they are going to continue falling down the ladder has any kind of merit to it? Should Perth Glory fans be worried? Like, what is going on out west? Uh, I, d- I don't know. Bottom three, uh, I haven't I haven't done the quick maths uh, to feel comfortable in, in my own judgment there. But I think I do think in the sense that when you look at the teams that are in and around Perth, so, for example, I feel like Central Coast Mariners have had a better season or in terms of like actually grinding out results and consistency um, and not just on a, a team kind of base scale, but like in terms of individuals as well, they've got like Mariners, they have some really great strikers, but those strikers have stayed really good. Whereas Farrow, she had such a, she kind of flew out of the gates at the start of the season, but has faded a little bit. And I do wonder if maybe it's like, because all the pressure was maybe on her, but in saying that as well, like Perth have like a variety of goal scorers, in the squad who can do good things and they have some really exciting young players. So uh, it's, I think it's just been maybe more the game management side of things where things are falling apart a little bit. They're just, and I, yeah, it's been a bit disappointing because they were start, starting to fall off and we're like, Ugh, and now they're just like, they don't seem to have any, uh, I don't know. There's, there doesn't even seem to be any kind of like creative or like sort of strange responses to the results that they're having of like, I don't know, like let's do a back three or, you know, like sometimes when, when things aren't going well, coaches can panic and do strange things, but at least it kind of feels like that's a response to the situation. Whereas for Perth, I'm not too sure exactly what, what the response is from Alex Aparkas to get them back on track. 
um even yeah so um and yeah like a, a newcastle jets as well they're kind of sitting in eighth and perth are on six they could if they kind of do well for the rest of the season and are str- strategic about it i think they could you know leapfrog as well so maybe bottom three is not too too bad an assessment but yeah it's kind of like an inverse of what's happening when you look at like a, a Brisbane Raw, for example, who are kind of on the up at the moment, they're not like amazingly good, but they're definitely um, showing more and getting better results than they did at the start of the season. And yeah, have kind of come out the other side of it, a, a teething period with their new coach, Alex Smith. So yeah, I don't know. What, what, what was the question? Do I agree they're going to finish bottom three? No, but I don't think they're going to get back into the, I think they're going to fall out of the six, top six unless something happens really soon um harrow thoughts boyd i think you've nailed it angela um they've sort of been figured out to an extent they did well to to pick up a late point against canberra sort of stops the rot a little bit but yeah it it's really hard to actually pinpoint all the reasons for this slide um you know it's probably not going to get too much easier as well when you look at who they're who they're going to play the mariners are in a bit of form Jets are dangerous, like Wellington, Western Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne City. Like, that's not an easy run home by any means. Like, a lot of games they would expect to drop points. We know the travel that they have to deal with is very much home away, home away, away, home. So it's it's not an easy run that they've got coming up either to, to close out the season. Um, that said, you know, things can change pretty quickly in football. I'm just seeing how many games we have. I mean, six games... Um, without a win is a pretty difficult run to snap. You, they would hope that that's given them a little bit of a foothold, but they're just shipping goals far too easily at the moment um, compared to earlier in the season where they seem to contain um, a lot better. Like I think of that Melbourne City game where they, they played super well and where Farah scored the hat-trick and they just looked far more sure-footed defensively and it seems to have fallen away there. I don't know if it means they'll finish bottom three, but it, they're in a bit of an uphill battle to make the six now. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting last little chunk of the season. Um, Do we want to quickly talk about the scoreless draw between City and Sydney? Because I think people maybe expected more from that game, or I at least expected more from that game. Does it actually benefit either of these two teams to be picking up a single point, no goals, no no nothing, basically. Like, it felt like a real nothing game, but in terms of, obviously, the wider context of this season, both of them are well in finals contention, well in Premier's contention. Um, how do we actually assess this scoreless draw for these two teams? Massive missed opportunity for Sydney, who, like, peppered City's goal, let's be honest. I feel like this... These couple of weeks are always going to be difficult for City because you've lost arguably your best player or one of your best players in Caitlin Torpy, um, lost your goalkeeper as well. And fair credit to Melissa Barbieri for stepping up the way she did as well. Um, but this is a massive missed opportunity for Sydney. Uh, lots of chances. There's obviously the Princess Abini penalty, which she'd look back on as she, I think um, Abini generally takes really good pens as well. So um, well saved by Barbieri, but pretty tame um, by Princess's standards. Um, she had another chance where she just incredible turn and it just sort of clipped off the um of the woodwork at the last second. Um, it's hard to read into too much, but because 
the weird circumstances. I can't imagine how much it throws you when you, you have that situation with the game getting delayed half an hour all of a sudden. Sydney players would, be, would have been a bit heavy in the legs, albeit they still handled it pretty well um, after all that all that driving around. Um, big missed opportunity for Sydney because they would have gone top with a win. So, yeah, Melbourne City, um, they really needed – like that was a good sort of – similar to what I said about Perth, a sort of a steadying point, but they need a win. They need to start getting some wins because um, the longer that you – keep other teams in the title race, the more you start to feel like, is this going to be yet another year where we let it slip? You know, the last couple of years they've been right up there and not been able to steer through the whole season and get that piece of silverware. Um, I know they've been through a lot with injuries and, you know, transfers and that sort of thing, but they do kind of need to get a bit of a shuffle along to, yeah, to sort of steady things. They're, they're winless in three. Their last win was that 2-1 over Wellington um, mid-Jan, so they're, they're hungry for it. They have very winnable next game up against Adelaide. Yeah, Sydney I don't think will be so phased because they're very much a been there, done that sort of team. They're, the pressure isn't actually on them because they're the team trying to reel Melbourne City in, right, and they're getting closer and closer. They really are like <laughs> the dark side with this stuff. There's an aura of inevitability about them with this sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it doesn't. Need, the result doesn't necessarily help either team too much, I guess, to answer your question. And yeah, City do have, I guess, if they're looking for the next few rounds, they're playing teams who are sitting in that bottom half of the table. So I wonder if, on the one hand, they're probably like, like it does, it does work better for them to get the point and kind of, you know, teeter in first position still. Um, but I do wonder if the, the the game plan is to really like go hard on you know Adelaide and then Brisbane and then Newey to kind of consolidate their position. Um, and who knows what Victor will be up to in round twenty? I don't know what they're up to at the moment, to be honest. But like, but you say all that, but they they lost to Canberra last week. This is City, so nothing's a given. Um, and I think that that's exciting. But yeah, for Sydney, I feel like yeah, it's they're be disappointed to have walked away with that with just the point um in saying that I imagine you like you said Harry the, the pre-game situation would have scattered a lot of people and athletes do like their rituals and need that routine and schedule a lot of the time to do well so um I wonder what kind of impact that would have had but yeah that's the, the, that's all I have to say about that It was a genuinely surprising game. Like I was just looking at the stats for that one. So uh, Sydney, 19 shots to two, eight on target to zero. So um, I agree in the sense that like Sydney will feel like simultaneously miffed that they could not capitalise on all of that dominance. And even when you watched it, like, Um, particularly in the first half, I literally tweeted about it. I was like, I was breaking out in a stress rash, stress rash rather, watching Sydney FC press Melbourne City as they tried to play out from the back because they were just so on them. Um, the pressure was insane. The press was insane. And yet they just could not capitalize on it at all. So it's going to be an interesting one to watch. Um, the kind of run into these last few rounds obviously means that the 
race for the Premier's plate is heating up. It's getting a bit interesting. We had someone ask, is Western United now in the box seat to kind of be the favourites for Premier's? They're on a four-game winning streak. Everything seems to be clicking for them. We've already mentioned Chloe Legazzo is doing fantastically. We already know that they're a, they're a team that knows how to grind out a win, but they are also a team that can play good football as well. So the question is, are Western United uh, firming as kind of favourites for the Premiership? Potentially should be, right? And that's a real credit to that group of players, but also what Kat Smith's done since taking over. Like, copying the sort of exit she did from Western Sydney on the eve of the season and the opportunity, like a golden opportunity presents itself when Mark Torcaso steps away to focus on the Philippines. And to be honest, she's taken what he had there and not just run with it, but actually stepped it up. Like it was quite odd at the start of the season, Hannah Keane was being used as a winger. And then when Caps come in, she's moved her back to a, a striker role, a, sort of alongside Legazzo rather than playing her out wide. She's banging in goals for fun again. Um, Legazzo is doing the same. I think they've got every reason to believe that. They were so close last season. They've got a lineup um, full of experienced and sort of hard-nosed players that like big games, that like big occasions, that like um, going toe-to-toe. A lot of them have a, a point to prove. Peter Legazzo obviously wanted to get back on the international scene. And we talked about last year with all those players led by your Tarantos and Keens and that, that had a point to prove that they belonged at this level, right? Um, they got that nice little bit of a, a chip on their shoulder and they're in really good form. They're getting results. They're playing well. They're really rising up the table. Um, and, yeah, as you said, they're only a, a point off now. They've won four on the bounce. Um, just having a quick look at their run to come. Like, it's it's not necessarily easy either. Like, amongst their games, they've, They've got Wellington, Sydney, Western Sydney and the Mariners among their last handful of games. But they should have every belief that they can get these results, right? Um, yeah, they've got to be in the mix. I think you'd still rather be in City's position and on top because everyone's still got to come and get you. But, yeah, the pressure-wise, Western Western United are coming, Sydney are coming. It's um, Yeah, it, it's, it really just underlines how good having a longer season is, that it's keeping the title race alive for that much longer. I do think it kind of works just with the persona that Western United have already created for themselves. It does work in their favour motivationally to be coming like from behind and trying to get back up on top. Um, I don't know, just because last season they obviously had the story of first time in the league in the top four kind of thing. But they do have a bit of that underdog about them and I think having that sort of a little bit of a patchy period there maybe has let them consolidate and now the, if I, I feel quite positive I do think that they could really finish top of the table um although in saying that like we just talked about how good like the stats in terms of Sydney's game and them being inevitable so I do think it will come down to the Sydney and, and West United in the end I don't really see how City will be able to bounce back um but yeah Excited for Western United it, and, yeah, them having to kind of work for it, I don't know, feeds into that having a point to prove kind of thing as well. But, yeah, they're looking good. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting title race. We know that. Um, we need to find out, though, if Melbourne Victory are going to factor rather in this race. And we had a question from Anya, I think that's how you say 
um, your name, uh, basically asked, are victory too stacked in midfield? And they've basically said a lot of what we already have kind of discussed about how on paper you look at their midfield list and it's like delicious, beautiful, stunning. We love it. Um, But there was a lot of space in behind which was exploited by Central Coast on Saturday. So should a Murphy or a Zoyce have been brought in to offer a bit more defensive cover? Have Has just I know how to speak. Has Jeff Hopkins figured out how to use all the toys at his disposal? Because the very basic answer seems like no, not yet. Pretty much. I think that's where we're at. Like they wouldn't have come into this season expecting to get Alex Chidiak partway through the year. Maybe they would have hoped for it. Um, but they seem to, um, we've talked about this before, and this isn't Alex Chidiak's fault. She's a quality player. She's a you know, Julie Dolan medalist, um, walks into any team in the league. The thing is, most teams in the league don't already have a quality midfield um, that was sort of, I think, firing. And you've, you know, you look at training form. You know how hard someone like a, a Chids trains, how dynamic she is. You got to get her in. But the problem is, they're still figuring out a way to make that work because um, Chids is a very creative player. Has a, has a good work rate as well. Kellen Knight is a creative player. Dapolonia seems to be the one tasked with being the more of a workhorse and. Um, Rachel Lowe started the season in really good form as a as an attacking midfielder, um, and through necessity also had to go forward. That's been um, that should be less of an issue going forward now. They've actually got Emily Gilnick able to start. I think we have to take that into consideration as well. But yeah, I think the main thing they've done is it shunted Alana Murphy to the bench, and this is not a new thing for young players, right? Like someone, the hotshot recruit comes in, and then all of a sudden you got to bide your time again. I imagine that'll be a frustrating experience for um, a really young, talented player like Murphy, who I thought was sensational early in the season, um, but has really been the sort of first player relegated to the bench um, after this experience, um, which can be a pretty testing one. But the, I guess the main thing is it's just not really clicking, as, as we just heard. Um, I know there's, you know, they're spacing behind from the Mariners. They're, they're leaky. They're defensively, they it just doesn't seem to be working. They're not creating the chances that they would have liked to have been, or they're not, you know, creating the ones that they should be burying. Like they had 20 shots, four on target. They have most of the ball um, against Brisbane, um, for example. Um, like against the Mariners, sort of similar situation. It's just, yeah, they're getting caught out in behind. It just isn't clicking, right? Like, and they've still got sort of six weeks to figure it out. You've got to make the six and then you can push for, um, silverware in, in the postseason, for want of a better word. But this is a team that on paper should be up there with your city, Western United, Sydney, contending for the premiership. Like um, most teams would dream of having half of this lineup, let alone the full lineup. And it must be particularly frustrating, not just for the players, but for Jeff Hopkins, that it isn't clicking. Um, I don't know if a change of formation is something they look at. They've tried a few other things. As I mentioned, Rachel Lowe playing more as a striker. Um, they've tried you know, squeezing Chidiak onto a wing a little bit. Clearly she plays her best football in midfield. It's, it's just not working. And um, we know the leadership that Akellan Knight provides as well. And, um, yeah, it's a it's a bit of a difficult one because you've got to strike that balance between having midfield that creates a lot and one that also functions defensively. And they are going to get caught out more in behind as well because you've got Emma Checker, who's a centre-back, playing as your right-back um, with Jess Nash still coming back after that knee injury. It's yeah, it's just not not entirely working, I guess. Like they're, you know, it, 
Um, I'm happy to get your thoughts on this, Angela. I don't know what the actual answer is because um, if Chidiak is playing well, and, you know, she's missed out on the Matilda recall. I don't think she's set the world on fire since coming back, but she's clearly a key part of this victory team. And when you've signed a two-and-a-half-year deal, I think it is, you're going to be a key part of this team long-term. But it's figuring out how to make that work and get all these players to click together. Um, Paige Zoys for mine, I think, is just out of favour completely at the moment. Like She's not even been making the bench a lot of games recently. So I don't think she's going to be the answer to come in. I think it is going to be about finding the balance of whether that's a Murphy coming in for Dapolonia, whether that's a rejig. Like, you can't drop a Rachel Lowe either because she's scoring every week, albeit um, sometimes via penalties. Like, it's a really difficult situation. Um, it, you know, competitiveness in a stacked squad is usually a good thing, but it's just finding a way to, to make that work, right? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and I I completely agree with you in the sense that Alana Murphy not getting as much game time as she did at the start of the season, I feel like has not served victory and it's definitely not served her but um i i feel like they were doing better things with her in the midfield and maybe that's just a correlation and not causation but um similar like similarly like Beatty goad not being involved i do feel like like mackenzie Wynott, she's uh got great work rate um but sometimes i feel like she kind of pulls out the same tricks a little bit whereas like a beady goad has a little bit more creativity and I feel like potentially combines with a, a, a chidiac a little bit better or a chidiac like player a little bit better or a low um in term like yeah there's like combination that can come from goad's play whereas why not it's like very much like a, a bit more direct and is able to get the ball into the chaos but then it's like what, what do you do once it's there um yeah it's a tricky one for victory and uh, I I really don't know what the answer is because, you know, if if there were less options, I, you'd be saying like, oh, Jeff just has to make a decision and stick with it and, and build consistency and chemistry or whatever. But it is because he has these different options that things are is trying things out, but maybe that's where it's not working because different players are playing with each other week to week etc so on they're not giving the chance to build I don't know um I'm just saying platitudes at this point but I will say I think it's been good for victory in terms of getting um their defense back on track I do really like Tori Hansen in as a center back with Kayla Morrison for the most part and I think that's been quite good so I think they're looking better because of that but the the midfield like like we've discussed for in in this here pod is uh it seems to be the the issue at the moment um yeah I don't know uh I my my too long didn't read solution would be get Alana Murphy back out there but um I'm not Jeff Hopkins so I don't have all don't have all the information at my disposal uh either way victory kind of have to start doing something soon I don't know uh it 
they're looking okay at the moment, but still, again, like the goal they conceded on the weekend was silly. Um, Emily Gilnick is a ray of light and um, in, in this kind of setup, in the fact that she's scoring. So I don't know, things could turn around. I say that, what, victory of fourth? Maybe I'm just a spoiled brat of a victory. Depends, depends on what your marker for uh, sliding between goal, goal difference or wins is. Yeah, uh, I think it's like we always talk about competition in places or competition for places and having multiple options to fill a role in a, in a team. And I think what must be frustrating is on paper they should have, like, you know, the way that works normally is the players have to play really well or someone else is going to take their spot. And the difficult thing at the moment is it's just not happening like that. Like it's not like Alana Murphy is being kept on the bench because a Dapolonia or Kalinar or whoever are like playing out of their skins, right? It's like they've got all these options, but no one is really, to use my own term, like taking games by the scruff of the neck in that midfield. No one is doing it. Like there isn't, it's not that players are missing out or being, you know, Rachel is being shunted further forward because, You've got players starring and you've got to make these decisions. It's like you've just got these really good players and I'm sure they all set really good standards in training. You generally know what they're going to get, but you're not getting star performances. You're not getting bang for buck, I guess is probably what I would say. And they're, you know, they're quality players. You know that they'll give their all. You know what you're going to get, but they're just not the potential compared to what we're seeing. They're not reaching it, right? So I think that would be the, the most frustrating. And the thing is they'd know that better than anyone, right? They'd know the expectation on them. And sometimes when things aren't clicking, it just doesn't work. But, yeah, they need to figure it out quickly. They sure do. We'll have one more round this weekend before we break for the international window. And we've got those two Matildas games against Uzbekistan to hopefully, God willing, uh, qualify for the Olympics. Um, We had more questions, but you guys did too many good questions. So we're going to have to move along. I'm sorry. We will hopefully um, get to them some other time. But let's move along to some quick boots. Um, I had two boots this week because I was reading on the internet as one does. Uh, There was an article in The Guardian from Jack Snape uh, about how the Matildas effect is driving record football signups, but is putting clubs under pressure. So obviously recommend go reading the full article. Jack's spoken to um, folks in football New South Wales and Northern New South Wales football about how they are seeing a surge in women's participation and that's girls, women, seniors, young'uns, everyone, there is an undeniable increase in the number of people playing football. They are attributing it to the World Cup, which I don't think is surprising at all. But unfortunately, uh, there is just not the infrastructure anywhere in this country to kind of cope with that increase and the annoying thing is the bootworthy thing is we knew all of this um when we got like when the bid was announced when we it was confirmed that Australia and New Zealand would be hosting this tournament so it's really frustrating that um the problem we've known about all along is now coming to pass because nothing was done to fix the problem um And that's really, really frustrating because I remember tweeting in like 2020 or 2021 that it would be such a shame 
if someone has just watched that World Cup, decided to get into football, and then they get turned away because there's nowhere for them to get changed or there's nowhere for them, there's no fields available for them to have a kick around. Like, um, that's a genuine travesty. And I always come back to the stat from Football Australia, which was uh, when they surveyed uh, like facilities nationally, they found only one in five was female friendly, um, which is just dismal. That is such a bad number. Um, so yeah, I really hate that um, the thing we were all worried about happening is happening. Um, huge boot. Angela, you're probably better placed to speak about this than me because you work in community football. I don't know if you've seen like the the Tilly's glow in your own club, but I'd love your thoughts on this. Yeah, yeah, we we definitely have. And it's interesting, like during the World Cup, we we have a great little system to track expressions of interest and we saw a lot of people signing up during and immediately after um it's it's a it's a tricky one because i can see the amount of work that federations are doing at the moment to um try and upskill clubs and make sure that they are inclusive and that they're able to uh yeah, expand and improve on their women's football programs where where they can. So that's um, the Football Australia had a few name changes, a club changer program. Um, but it does come back to there have been some forums that I've been at where there's been people asking the uncomfortable question of what about facilities? And that's something that a lot of community football folk have to come back to a lot. A lot of um, clubs are beholden to uh, council, um, yeah, access to council facilities. Uh, I have something in the works, a a short corner uh, episode that I did a long time during the World Cup. So it's late, but as we all know, I run late with things where I talk with um, someone who, faced additional barriers in terms of um, putting together a women's program when you don't necessarily even have that uh, previous relationship to councils that can get you access to grounds. But then when you come back to what access to grounds councils have, it's all strategic to make sure that, uh, like, for example, near where I am in Melbourne, like there's the Royal Park um, master plan. And that was a whole thing of pushing for football grounds to be prioritised because there are football grounds in Royal Park and and surrounds, but they're just dangerous to play on at this point in time. Um, It's it's a lot of work and I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I think the other big thing is like federations keeping up with the kind of offerings that people are looking at because the interest that we're seeing after the World Cup is a lot of people who haven't played football before um and haven't or might have played in high school but then when you look at like the kind of formal structures that are available they're not even in women's state league at the moment they're not just like they're not you can't put beginners into women's state league and so that's something my club are working through and how we provide options for people to develop and and play have those pathways as adults not as kids (laughs) that's the thing like some people are coming to and it's not just women men as well who've not engaged with sport previously being inspired by this World Cup coming to the table and then 
really no options being available. So it's a lot going on. It's definitely a thing. Uh, it was, it's definitely been the uncomfortable question for quite a while before, during, after the world cup. And, um, it's a really hard one because the, the fault doesn't really fall on anyone, but at the same time, it does kind of fall on everyone. I'm definitely, I should frame this as well. I'm thinking of facilities in terms of just like grounds to play on, but there is, as um, Jack's article touches, like there's the, the facilities include things like change rooms, like bathrooms and that kind of thing as well, which is another big consideration. Uh, yeah. My club, only we can only do X amount of games on a Sunday because we only have X amount of change rooms kind of thing. So that does limit growth as well. It's a, it really does come back to facility. Sorry, that was a bit of a, a ramble. I can, I can talk about this stuff a lot, but yeah, a big, a big old boot. So there not being enough facilities to cater to interest. Um, because it's, it's a headache and it sucks, but it's really, I, I've been heartened by the support that, um, Football Australia and, and the federations are, tr- are rolling out and um, the kinds of like, yeah, the goodwill and, and motivation for people to expand women's football in their own little spaces. It's everyone's doing their best as well. So, yeah. Definitely not a ramble, a very good, very good um, speech. Sounds so formal for what that was and it wasn't a speech. Anyway, I Monologue. enjoyed it. Is what? Monologue. <laughs> soliloquy um other quick boot from me was i was scrolling twitter this morning and i saw an article the uh, women's euros are being held in switzerland in 2025 which is very exciting if you like cheese and mountains and women's football and chocolate um but the article was basically about how the swiss federal government is cutting finances for the tournament they spent eight eight they spent 82 million francs uh, on the men's version of the tournament in 2008 when they hosted. The original plan was to spend 15 million on this women's tournament when they announced it, but apparently that has now been cut to 4 million, um, which is just like 15 was already so far below 82. Four is just a, a joke, to be honest. Um, the article goes on to describe that this is the federal government's money. Um, certain cities and um, cantons are putting in way more money than that. So it's just a real shame that the federal government is seemingly not coming to the party for the Euros. And it's still so surprising. Like, we can have successful tournament after successful tournament in the women's game, and yet governments are still so stingy. Like, but I just don't think people are going to come out to watch women's football. Like, come on, get like, shut up. Um, so a boot to the Swiss government, um, real Swiss cheese behavior from them. Not about it at all, but let's move along and finish off with some how goods. Angela, do you have a how good? I do have a how good actually. Um, let me just get my notes up. I say opening Instagram. Here we go. Uh, friend of the pod, Natalie Warnock, kindly uh, did the Googling when we could not uh, and and pinged us on our Instagram to say that the Tilly socks, the back-to-school range, they do come in adult sizes. So uh, how good to 
those being available in adult sizes and how good to Natalie for letting us know because oh my we need assistance as we bumble around this this earth obviously and um, we may not have known otherwise so thank you very much and a big how good we will be buying the socks I'm gonna go buy some right now as soon as we finish recording this um I have one how good um and I think it's the how good that basically dominated Australian women's football and went global to be fair it was um obviously we had the Matilda's squad announcement for the Olympic qualifiers we had our pod on that you can go listen to it if you would like um but by the end of that day we had almost like a secondary squad announcement from one Harper Gorey who read out the team um And it was just the cutest thing. Like, I don't know about you. I was simply sitting there like head in my hands, just like smiling. It was just so cute. And my favorite part of all of it was obviously her inability to say Courtney um, for Courtney Vine. Instead, she called her Corky. So I think that we should all collectively call Courtney Vine Corky now because it was just so damn cute. Um, So (laughs) I just, it was the cutest thing. Every time it has popped up on either my Instagram or my Twitter or my TikTok, I have sat and watched it and just had a little pocket of joy for like 30 to 45 seconds. And I would recommend you doing the same. So Harper Gori continues to be simply the best, a how good. Um, But that is us done for today thank you so much for tuning in thank you so much for all of your questions i'm so sorry we couldn't get to all of them like we said it was a big week for questions so make sure you hit us up again next week with all of your questions um as we said we've got the round coming up round 17 this weekend and then we will have our two olympic qualifiers so lots to look forward to and for all of you going to taylor swift concerts it's very soon we wish you luck we wish you bejeweled evenings um It's going to be a lot of fun. But as always, we're over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can find us on Spotify and Apple and all of the usual pod spots. If you like what we do, leave a review and subscribe. If you want to chat to us, like I said, get your questions in at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, see you.